<laughs> All right, let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. Uh, thank you just for uh, a chance to get together and uh, to get into your word and, and to listen to you. And uh, God, I thank you for the words that you've uh, just impressed on my heart this week. And I would just ask that in these next few minutes, um, you would allow what you have laid on my heart to, to be expressed and that um, each of us would have an opportunity to be challenged by you and to hear from you. And uh, God, maybe look at some things differently than we have before and take some um, new steps in terms of how we're going to uh, speak into the lives of others and hear from those uh, that have gone before us and have, have learned some things and just help us uh, to learn from you this morning ultimately and have a greater idea of what it looks like uh, to live a life that honors you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I'm going to just start off. I'm going to need some volunteers, and I, I need a specific type of volunteer right from the get-go, and I'm hoping there's somebody in the room that has never used or played with the game called Barrel of Monkeys. Is there anybody in the room that has not played with Barrel of Monkeys? You've never played with Barrel of Monkeys? Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And you've never played with Barrel of Monkeys? Yeah, come here. This is great. Okay, now I need somebody that would say, I'm a little bit of an expert at Barrel of Monkeys. Is there anybody that's... Okay, is there anybody that's actually just played Barrel of Monkeys? You don't have to be an expert. You, you, I, do, have you played Barrel of Monkeys? Uh, I think, it just, do you know how it works? Okay, all right, okay. Okay. No, we're not changing the rules, not changing the rules. Okay, real quick, your name is? Owen, and your name is? Ashley, and your name? Diana. Diana, okay. Owen, what I need you to do is I just need you to turn around and face that way and don't watch what we're doing over here. You can probably listen, or you can plug your ears. Diana. No, 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 I got, I, don't tell me how to do this. Okay. <laughs> Sheesh. The question was, do you know how to do barrel of monkeys? Not, not control, I'm just kidding. Okay, so here's what I need you to do. I'm gonna take, I need you to take this barrel of monkeys and just uh, show Ashley a couple of ways, how, how, how the monkeys can do, just show her barrel of monkeys. And Ashley, you can come over here and you guys can work together. So what's the first step here, Diana? What are you gonna do? Okay, yeah, go, sorry. No, you can talk out. It, you can you can tell her. So you're gonna hook them together. Oh, nice, nice. You guys got it. Good. Okay, and stop. Now, Ashley, correct me if I'm wrong. You've never played Barrel of Monkeys before. This was the first moment you've ever played. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna try something really tricky. Okay, but this is the, okay. So if you could, that's all right. If you could take the Barrel of Monkeys or the monkeys and the barrel. And now, as a very new learner of Barrel of Monkeys, I would like for you to demonstrate to Owen. <laughs> come, come show Owen how Barrel of Monkeys work. Come show, show. So you take the monkeys and you stick them inside there and you try and, try and hook a barrel, hook a monkey. Here, let's put them in my hands, let's try. Oh, look at that. Okay, Owen, do you see how to do it? <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, okay, good, good, good. So now you're gonna, yeah, yep, and then what are you gonna do? You're gonna dip it down in there and see if you can hook a monkey. Oh, he's almost got it. These monkeys are in there tight. Oh, boy, it's a way more exciting than we can see in there. I wish I had a camera right now and I could show you. He's almost got it. Go for it. Get, go, go ahead and get another one. Get it, get it. Oh, the, ex the suspense is all killing us. Here it goes, here it goes. Oh, yeah. Oh, and you're unhooking monkeys, actually. <laughs> Ashley, you Oh, yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. You got it. Come on, cheer on Owen, people. Let's... Come on. 
Oh, you got a bear. Okay. Okay. Now, I got a really, this, this question is going to be weird. This is going to be weird. What would happen to these monkeys right here? Here, put your, put your barrel back under. What would happen to these monkeys right here, these two monkeys right here, if this monkey wasn't there? What? They would what? They would fall? No, they, wouldn't. they wouldn't? Well, what if we just did, like, okay, so that monkey is gone. Then what happened? Whoa. Okay, so let's just think about this for a second. I know that was not mind-boggling by any means, <laughs> right? But here's what I want you to think about for just a second. This barrel of monkeys and the chain of monkeys, don't be offended by this, but you guys were actually a barrel of monkeys. Diana taught Ashley, and then Ashley taught Owen, and the barrel of monkeys continued. Good? Oh. Okay, go have a seat. Now, I hope you're not all offended, but this morning I'm going to challenge you and encourage you to become a barrel of monkeys. See, what happens is, in, in our lives as a church, if we don't figure out how to become a barrel of monkeys and take one monkey and connect it to the mon next monkey and then take another monkey and connect it to the next monkey, eventually the chain of monkeys falls away. And if you and I don't begin to figure out how to begin to impart spiritual life to the next generation, eventually that spiritual life falls away and the generation does not hear about the faith that you and I have and it ends. It actually happened in the Old Testament. There's a story uh, by, by a guy by the name of Moses and Moses was this incredible leader and Moses had the opportunity to take the nation of Israel and lead them into the promised land. Well, Moses made a mistake, ends up not getting to actually lead them in there, but one of the things that Moses did really, really well, Moses had this amazing ability as a leader to mentor and lead the next generation. He had the ability to pour into the next generation, not only to be great leaders, but ultimately to come to have a very strong faith. He was able to pass on what he knew about God and what he had experienced to God to the next generation. So Moses ends up raising up the next generation, and he raises up this gentleman by the name of Joshua. And when Moses eventually dies, Joshua then is handed over the leadership that Moses had. And there's this very seamless transition as Joshua takes over. And because Moses did such a great job pouring into Joshua, it just happens very smoothly. And Joshua ultimately gets to do what Moses wanted to do, which was lead the people of Israel into the land that God had promised them. And Joshua, for the most part, was a phenomenal leader, but he had a very tremendous downside. A very big problem for Joshua is that he didn't know how to raise up the next generation. He didn't know how to continue that link and so when Joshua died, the tragedy is that the rest of the monkeys, I know that's a horrible, horrible thing to say, it broke off. The nation was not able to continue. The chain broke. The link ended. There was no monkey holding on to the next monkey. There was no way to pass down to the next generation how to live, how to have success in life. And within family life, as we've been talking about as a group, as a church, we have to figure out how do we keep that chain going? How do we keep that connection? How do we continue to stay linked to both those ahead of us and to those behind? So in the Old Testament, it collapses. The nation of Israel has the inability for a moment to pass on that spiritual values and those abilities of what God has done. In the book of Judges, we read what happened. It's on the screen. It's in your message notes. But this is what it says in the book of Judges. It says, After that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Now that statement right there about gathered to their fathers, that's just a really fancy way of saying kick the bucket. Okay, so the writer didn't want to be like, after that generation passed away, died, kicked the bucket. So he's like gathered to their fathers. Anyway, essentially they died. And then the next generation that was coming up, because they hadn't been connected, because they hadn't passed it on, 
The next generation that was rising up didn't understand what had been important to that previous generation, and the chain broke. The link was no longer there. And one of Joshua's glaring weaknesses was that he didn't raise up the next generation. He didn't pour in to the next generation and bring up spiritual leaders. Those that came along did not know God. They didn't know God in an intimate way. They didn't understand the power of God. They didn't recognize the actions and the things that God had done. So today, I want us to begin to focus in and recognize how we can follow the lead of a barrel of monkeys. Essentially, how you and I can look to grab a hold of the generation that's ahead of you and then begin to learn and begin to be supported and be corrected and watch and see how those that are older than you are living well. And at the same time, you're grabbing those that are ahead of you, grab those that are coming behind. Grab onto the next generation and pass on the knowledge and the support and the encouragement and begin to show how it is that we love through action. Because ultimately, within the church, we've been talking about this idea of family life, but there's more than just an idea of family life. The Bible actually describes it as a spiritual family. In the New Testament, we come across this amazing relationship between two individuals. One was by the, name of the, by the name of Paul. We know him as the Apostle Paul. Great man of God. Responsible for taking the message of Jesus outside of the Jewish community, ultimately to many of us. And Paul discovered this young guy who showed all kinds of promise. This young guy who's barely not a kid anymore. All kinds of energy, all kinds of spunk. And Paul saw this young guy and like, he's got so much potential. He's a little insecure, but... He was like, how can I pour into this guy? The guy's name was Timothy, and Timothy had a very godly grandmother, a godly mother, but Timothy didn't really have a dad around. He didn't have a grandfather around that was speaking into his life. There, was no, there were no men pouring into Timothy. And so Paul came along, and he started to mentor the next generation. He started to pour into Timothy. And ultimately, all of us, each of us need a Paul in our life. Each of us needs somebody to come along and look at us and say, I believe in you. And at the same time, each of us need a Timothy in our lives. Each of us needs somebody that we look to and say, I believe in you. And what's so amazing about Paul is this mentoring relationship that he's a part of, it ultimately grew larger than just a mentor. When we read the words that Paul uses, it's, there's these deep, heartfelt words, and, and Timothy becomes described as his family, ultimately his spiritual family. And this morning, what I want you to see is that each of us can have that. Each of us can be that. Each of us can create that. Each of us have the opportunity to be a part of generating and being a part of creating a spiritual family. But the first part of that is that you and I have to embrace the fact that you can either have or you can be a spiritual father. Some of us, I've had the privilege of having a very godly father. My actual dad was a great, a great man. But sadly, not true for everyone. I said that like he died. Don't, he's, pushing, he's pushing buttons today, so I'm hoping he does. If the screen stops going, we'll know what happened. But my dad was a great guy, still a great guy. Uh, weird. Anyway, not dead. How do I go on? Uh, not true for everybody. Not everybody has had that same opportunity to have a, a spiritual, uh, earthly father of great spiritual value. And so as a result, individuals need to come along and pour into them and, and speak into their lives. And if you're here this morning and, and you're a man, you have the opportunity, you have the privilege to be that for somebody. You and I, we can be the spiritual father to the next generation. We can be a dad to those that are coming up and begin to raise up the next generation. We can find a father, but we can also be a father. Paul wrote this. 
He said, even though you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I am sending to you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. Paul uses a word here uh, that we translate out of the Greek. We use the word guardians, and I'm not even going to try and pronounce this word. It's in your message notes. But the word guardian is this word that starts with a P there. I don't even know even try and say it. You can go to the next slide, Dad. Were you just trying to throw us off? <laughs> anyway. So basically, this word guardian, this idea, uh, is a servant who takes care of the child, or, or a tutor, or an instructor. And Paul is basically saying, we don't have lots of you have lots of guardians. Essentially, this would be somebody that you were to pay. You would hire this individual to come in and, and pour into the next generation. And in our world, we, you know, we would say something more like it's somebody's coach or somebody's teacher or maybe it's a boss. Somebody, that, somebody that's got a vested interest in an individual, but, but they're just playing a role. It's not really a calling. It's just sort of playing a role. And he's saying, listen, there's great value in that, but there's even greater value in having a, a spiritual father. Somebody that can come along and, and demonstrate what it looks like to follow Jesus and how to handle life and how to deal with things. And so Paul says, listen, I've got this, this guy that I've been pouring into. In fact, he calls him his son, and we've already talked. He's not, it's not Paul's biological son, but he looks to Timothy as his son. And Paul is basically saying, my relationship with Timothy is so dynamic. He's my kid. I'm going to send him to you. And so Paul recognizes he's been the spiritual father to Timothy. He's also been the spiritual father to the readers. And he's like, Timothy is so close to me. Timothy is so tied into me. He knows what it looks like to be locked into what I do. So I'm going to send Timothy because he knows how to imitate me. He knows how to follow me. He'll be an amazing example. So Timothy is able to go and help this group, help this group begin to understand what it looks like to imitate this spiritual father that they've created and who Paul is and how he can pour into their lives. And ultimately, Paul is looking out for both of his kids. He's looking out for Timothy, saying, hey, this is your next step. Now you can go and pour into these guys. And these guys who need somebody, now they can look to you. And, and he, Paul is saying, I can provide what you need, and I can help you grow, and I can help you develop. Basically, he's saying to both groups, I want to make sure you have everything you need to thrive. Now, ladies, to make sure that you're not left out, the same is true for you. You can have and you can be a spiritual mother. There's some amazing verses that says this. It says, Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live. Then they can train the younger woman, women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, to be subject to their husbands, so that no one will malign the word of God. Essentially, it's an opportunity for older women to say, I will be the spiritual mother of younger women. Show them how to be amazing moms. Show them how to be loving wives. Show them how to be supportive friends. And when we look at our culture, and we look at our world, and we so, see so many marriages struggling, and we see people struggling with self-image, and we see substance abuse, and people desperately is trapped in isolation, one of the great solutions that can begin to help change that is for godly women to choose to be mentors to the next generation that's coming, to teach the next generation of women how to follow that, how to be godly women. And if we ever look at the next generation and say, man, there's just not very many godly individuals coming up in that next generation. A large part of the fault lies at the feet of the generation ahead. So if you and I ever look at the next generation and say, they're not getting it, we have to first look at ourselves and say, what have we not done to pour into them? How have we not modeled it? How have we not led it? How have we not mentored that? See, for all of us, we can have that. We can have that spiritual role model that's pouring into us, and at the same time, we need to be that. 
we can begin to create that experience, that richness that can be within the spiritual family. Every one of us needs a Paul, that spiritual father or that spiritual mother that's pouring into us. And every one of us need to have a Timothy, a son or a daughter that, that we're pouring into that's a part of our family in Christ. So what we're going to do as we move forward and kind of get us on track, I want to try and get really practical. Get really practical with how that looks and, and talk about how we can make this a part of our everyday life. See, the reality is you could hear this this morning and you could recognize that there's value in this idea of having a spiritual mentor or being a spiritual father or mother. You could hear that and then we could just sit back and wait for it to happen. And it won't. This is truly one of those things that if you and I just sit back and hope that magically it begins to happen and the next generation begins to get it or the generation ahead of you begins to pour, it won't just happen. There's some very practical things that you and I have to begin to do. And each of the things that we're going to look at this morning are very doable. Actions that each and every one of us can take. And if we're going to begin to do this, the most practical thing we can do, the very beginning, the most important thing we can do, the start by which you and I can take, is that we have to begin to define what it is that you're looking for. Begin to look and say, what is it that I need? Sorry, next slide. So maybe, for example, you, you've started dating someone. And maybe you're thinking, you know what? I really like this person. I am ready to get married. And gentlemen, maybe she smells really good and she's godly and she's, you know, just fun to hold. And you're like, mm, right? And you're like, okay. But maybe for some reason you didn't have a great role model growing up. Maybe you didn't see a good Christian family. Maybe you weren't a part of a good Christian family. So then what you need to do if you're like, I am in this and we are ready to go, you need to find yourself a godly couple. You need to begin to look around and say, I need some examples of this. You have to define what it is that you're looking for and find those individuals and slide up next to them and say, I got to ask you questions. I want to have a relationship. We want to have a marriage that's a strong Christian marriage. Would you allow us? Would you let us watch you? Would you answer questions? Would you show us what that looks like so we can begin to do this? Maybe you're, just, maybe you're a new believer. Maybe this whole idea of following Jesus is a brand new thing. Maybe you're just new to Christianity and you're like, I don't really know what's going on. If that's you, then you need to find somebody that's been a Christian for a long time and come alongside of them and say, would you show me how to study the Bible? Would you take me under your wings and would you help me begin to understand when I read this stuff and when I don't get it, would you show me how to live it out? Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, I really feel like I'm being called by God to write a book. Maybe that's you. Then what you need to do is you need to define what it is you're looking for. You need to find somebody that's written a book. You need to say, hey, can I pick your brain? Can I talk to you? Will you show me what to do? Will you show me how to do this? Will you give me the ideas of how to begin to make this happen? So wherever it is, whatever it is that you're looking for, the beginning is to begin to define what it is that you're looking for so that you know what it is when you see it. And then once you and I begin to know what it is, I want to give you some advice on how you can begin to make that relationship, begin to make that thing pour into your life in such a way that it's positive. And here's the good news. We're going to start with the young ones. And the good news is that for each and every one of us in the room, we're the young ones. For each and every one of us in the room, there's somebody that's older than you. Right? I guess at some point there's always one person that's the oldest. Right? And that oldest person, the only way for that to change is not good, right? Actually, I heard yesterday the oldest person in the world passed away, 113 years old. So that just means somebody else is now the oldest person. So that individual no longer has a mentor, 
right? But for each of us, we are the young one. There is somebody that is older than you. There's somebody that's ahead of you. And it doesn't necessarily have to be an age thing. It could be somebody that's ahead of you spiritually. It could be somebody that's ahead of you in your occupation. It could be somebody that's ahead of you just in a stage of life. It doesn't necessarily have to be an age thing, but there's somebody. There's an individual that's ahead of you. And so for those of us that are younger, what that makes us, that means that we are the Timothys. That means we are the sons. That means we are the daughters. Each of us need to be looking for somebody. We need to be looking for that spiritual parent, somebody that's more mature than us. And then when we find that individual, the first piece of advice I have for you is this. Begin to ask questions, listen, and take notes. When you find that individual, that Paul, that's willing to pour into your life, ask questions. And then write down what they say. Because oftentimes, people that are wiser than us, the things that they're going to say, it's so hard to assimilate all that they're saying because they're saying stuff that maybe we've never even heard before. So ask questions and then write it down. Begin to say, okay, don't defend yourself or try not to tell them why what they're saying is wrong. Just write it down. And then afterwards, take time and review those notes. Afterwards, take time and connect the dots. Begin to pray about what you've been told. Begin to process, how do I manage these things that I've been given? So show up and bring your questions. And listen. Take notes. There's this story in the New Testament about this jailer. Uh, Basically, he's a prison guard, and and he has the authority over Paul. And Paul is out talking and telling people about Jesus. And so then Paul gets arrested and put in jail. And so this jailer is basically overseeing Paul. And while Paul is in jail, God comes in and breaks the jail wide open, and all the prisoners can run free, and Paul stays there. And this prison guard, in the moment, was the expert. And then all of a sudden, God breaks the jail open, and suddenly the prison guard becomes the student. And in Acts, we see what happens, and the jailer runs in, and he asks a very important question. It says this, says the jailer called for the lights, rushed in, and fell, trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Suddenly he recognized, these guys are my spiritual mentor. These guys could be my spiritual father. What do I do? So when you find that individual that's willing to pour into you, bring your questions. And don't plan to talk. Bring your questions and roll them out. Don't waste time. Don't waste their time. Come with your questions ready to go. We actually had an opportunity to meet with a guy this last week that's doing some things that we're thinking about doing as a church, and we wrote our questions down. And then we just showed up and we just lobbed our questions out there and just said, talk. I'm tempted to honor this individual just by letting him share with us what he knew. And there were things that he said that were like, really? We're just like, keep talking. Just keep talking. So bring your questions. And maybe some of your questions are like, what do you wish that you knew when you were my age? When you were my age, what do you wish that you knew? What's the best advice somebody ever gave to you? What's the biggest opportunity that you passed up that you regret? What do you see in me that I don't see in myself? What are the obstacles that you see in me? What are the strengths that you see in me? And then just let them talk and write down what they say and listen and watch and learn from the individuals that are willing to be your spiritual father or your spiritual mother and let them pour into you. Second piece of advice is this, is to then put into practice what you see. As you watch somebody live, and as you hear from them, don't just listen, don't just watch, begin to put it into practice. This is what Paul says in Philippians 4.9. He says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. One of the greatest ways that you can 
bring honor to the person that's pouring into your life is to take their advice and put it into practice. If all you do is listen, you've pretty much wasted their time. I actually have a gentleman in my life that I consider to be sort of a Paul. He doesn't even know I exist, though. His name is Nelson Searcy. Uh, he's the pastor of a church in Florida, and for a while he was, the pastor, he was pastoring a church in New York and then basically started another campus down in Florida. And this guy is doing amazing things, reaching all kinds of people for a while in New York City and now in Florida, two dynamically different locations, but he's doing these things that are just reaching lots and lots of people. And so for Nelson, he, I signed up for some different classes. I've talked to him a couple times, but he really doesn't even know who I am. But I've listened to his lectures, and I've read his teachings, and I've, I've grabbed his books, and we've been to a conference that he's been a part of, part of. And there's times where Nelson will say something, and I'll think, that's crazy. That will never, ever work. Let me show you an example of something that Nelson said that works. These Connect cards. When, Nelson was first, when we first heard Nelson talking about Connect cards, we're like, people are not going to fill that out every week. And he's like, here's how you, you got to talk about it. You got you to process with people why it matters. And then I started thinking when he was telling me, like, well, we don't have time to process all the data on here. But I'll tell you what, these Connect cards have become one of the greatest improvements that we've made at Silver Creek. And I know for you each week, you're like, eh, it's just a green piece of paper that I fill out. These green pieces of paper are gold for us. These green pieces of paper have allowed us to have a better idea of what's happening in the lives of everybody that goes to Silver Creek. It gives us some great insight into how to follow up with you, and, and we're able to pray for you, and obviously there's prayer requests, but there's other things that people check and people are doing that allow us to be able to be invested in your lives in ways that we wouldn't otherwise be able to. In fact, sometimes we take the prayer requests, and not only do we pray for them or, or look at the things that people have checked off as next steps, but we use those things to help create what our next series are going to be about. It helps us understand what people are facing and what people are dealing with. These have become gold for us. And it happened because we took a gentleman by the name of Nelson Searcy and we began to put into practice what he said. The third action is to show honor. The most valuable thing a person has is not their money, but their time. So you can always make more money, but you can't make more time. So if somebody is willing to give you the gift of their time, show them honor in all that you do. Paul wrote this to the, Roman, the church in Rome. He said, be devoted to one another in brotherly love honor one another above yourselves. So that means if you've got somebody that's willing to pour into your life and they give you an opportunity to meet, be on time. Again, come with questions. Write things down. Maybe send them a thank you note when it's done. Maybe look for ways to serve them. Maybe if the only time that they can meet is 4 a.m. in the morning, show up. Don't be like, oh, it's pretty early. Show up. And then figure out how to free up their time. They've given you time, free up their time. So maybe they need their car washed. Wash their car. Maybe they need you to babysit their kids because they want to go out on a date night. Babysit their kids. If you're benefiting from their generosity by giving of their time, honor them by serving them. Pour back into them simply by giving of yourself to free up some of the time that they've given to you. So now let's pause and begin to change the direction. Let me ask you a question. If in the field of interest that you have, so maybe you're a mom, and maybe you're thinking, how could I be a better mom? Or maybe if you're married and, and you were like, how could I have a better marriage? Or, or maybe you're in business and you're like, I want to show Christ more in my business. Or maybe you're an athlete and you're like, how do I glorify God in this, as, as an athlete? 
If in that particular field of interest, if you could have somebody that was really amazing at that speak into your life, if you could have somebody that could just pour into your life and tell you all that you know in that area that you care about, raise your hand if you would like to have an individual like that. How many of you would take an individual that would pour into your life and tell you about the things that you want to know? Okay, a few of you. Good. Then I've convinced a few of you that this is a good idea. Okay, at the same time, how many of you are slightly intimidated to be a Paul, to speak into somebody's life? How many of you are like, if somebody wanted me to say something, I don't know what I would say. See, the reality is, I think a lot of us recognize, if people would pour into my life, it would be so great. I could learn so much. I could go so much further. But then at the same time, we're like, I don't really have anything to offer to the next generation. But here's the reality. Each of us have the ability to be a Paul. Each of us have the ability to be a father or a mother spiritually to somebody else. You don't need to raise your hand to this, but my guess is that there's many of you in the room that have been hurt by somebody else. But you managed to overcome that hurt. My guess is that in this room, there's some of you that have failed at something. And you learn from that failure. There's been a setback in your life. There was something that, that knocked you down, but you didn't allow it to hold you down, and you pushed through, and you rose above, and you, and you got through it. And if any of those things have happened to you, then you are perfectly prepared to be the Paul in somebody's life. Because oftentimes, it's those failures, those things that we've had to overcome that make the greatest difference. And I know that there's people in this room, you've overcome cancer. You've overcome addictions. You've had to overcome an adulterous action in your relationship. You've overcome pornography. I know that there's parents in this room that have had to raise difficult children. I already mentioned my dad's here. <laughs> there's parents in the room. You've raised children and they've walked away from the things that you held to that were so important to you. Don't insult God by thinking, I don't have anything to offer the next generation. Those things in our lives that are so hard, that have knocked us down, those are the things that the next generation, the people right behind you are dealing with. So pour into their lives. Help them learn from what you've, what you've learned. Because God's not only calling each of us to have a Paul that pours into our lives, but he's calling each of us to be a Paul, to be a spiritual father, to be a spiritual mother to the next generation. So a couple things that you and I can do if that's where we feel like God is truly calling us and if we're going to respond to God. The first step that you can take as a spiritual father or mother is simply be an example in the way that you live. Strive every day to live out what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. Let that become such a primary relationship in what you do that it impacts every single area of your life. Another written, letter written by Paul said this. He said, in everything, set them an example by doing what is good. This doesn't mean we have to be perfect. This doesn't mean we have to get everything right. It simply means we aim to live with financial integrity. It means we work really hard to raise kids that love Jesus. It means we work really hard to be the most incredible employee we're capable of being. It means we love and honor our spouse every day. And then it means when we stumble and when we fail, rather than just trying to cover it up or make, make excuses, we just demonstrate, listen, sometimes we don't hit our goals. Sometimes there's flaws. And most importantly, when those happen, we're going to lean into Jesus and say, I've missed it, but I'm going to lean into Jesus even more and allow him to get things right. And if there's forgiveness that need, is needed, I'm going to ask God for forgiveness. I'm going to ask the individual that I've wronged for forgiveness. Be an example. Simply allow the next generation to watch how you're living and grab on and cling to what it is that you're doing and how you've lived 
and see what's so important to your generation. Second way that you and I can be a spiritual parent is to tell stories. In, the book of, in one of the Psalms, David is writing about God, and this is what David says. He says, one generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. They will tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. Let the next generation know what God has done in your life. Share about what God's power has done, and maybe talk about how he's been able to save you from a terrible decision that you made. Maybe talk about a time where you were facing a difficult choice and you just leaned into God's wisdom and you wrestled with, what should I do? What should I do? And maybe God didn't give you one of those ah moments, but maybe God simply gave you the ability to process and make a solid decision. So tell your story. Share what God has done. And some of us, some of you are great at telling stories. Some of us have the ability to remember what's happened. And I recognize as we get older, it's harder to recall what God has done. And sometimes maybe you're just not even good at telling stories. And if that's true, if you can't remember, if you're not good at telling stories, then you're off the hook. You don't have to worry about this. You can just let the next generation figure, no way! Don't be like, I can't do it. Write it down. Don't forget what happened to Joshua when they didn't pass it on. The next generation missed it. Write it down. Take a picture. Post it on Facebook. There's a lot of ways we can record it now. Truly, if, if you're in a generation that's above, you, this is one of the most important callings on our life. It's to talk about God's works, to tell people about how he's acted in our lives in mighty ways, to proclaim his power and great deeds. And then the last thing that you can do is simply share your life. Open your heart and let someone in. I don't just have a formal meeting with like a a chalkboard and a PowerPoint. Actually, I hope you don't do that, actually. Don't do that at all. Just pour into somebody's life. Allow your life to be an incredible gift by inviting somebody into it. Here's what Paul said. He said, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. And here's the great thing. You don't have to do anything new. You don't have to carve out more time in your schedule. In order to share your life, keep doing the same things you're doing. Just invite an individual or individuals from the next generation to join you. Say, come on, let's do this. When I was a youth pastor, one of my goals was to never do anything alone. Bring a student along. Bring them along, bring them along, bring them along. So maybe in your life, maybe you're great at doing home remodeling projects. Invite a guy or a gal from the next generation to come alongside of you. Help them, help them learn. Show them, here's how we do some basic maintenance. Here's how you install a dishwasher. Teach them. Bring them along. Show them what to do when you hit your thumb with a hammer and the right way to manage that. Maybe you're amazing at coupons. And you know how to cut them out and save money and find great deals. And maybe you don't even, your family doesn't need it. You just like doing it. You're like, I'm saving money. Share your life. Include somebody in the next generation. Bring them along. Let them join in. Show them your mad skills, your tricks of the trade, how to get the best deal. I mean, this could be anything. Maybe it's car repair, Bible study, exercise, playing an instrument, prayer, art, gardening. I don't know. Maybe it's showing somebody how to tell somebody else about Jesus. But if you take the things that you're already doing and you include the next generation, essentially what you're doing is you're taking those things that you're already doing and you're creating a double, double benefit out of those things. You're going to accomplish the things you were already planning to do 
and you're going to bring the next generation along in the process. And you get to share your life and allow somebody else to benefit from the things that you're already doing. And this is what begins to allow family life to take on incredible meaning in each of our individual lives. This is where family life begins to have an impact in each and every area of our lives. On the back of your cadet cards, we just challenge you each week to think through what it is that you've heard and to begin to process for yourself what is it that you're going to do based on what you've heard this morning. This morning as well, if you're interested in knowing Jesus or being baptized, uh, there's a, bar, um, a line on there that you can check. After the service, I'd invite you to come talk to me as well and just answer any questions that you have about what that means to be in a relationship with Jesus. But this morning specifically, as so we talk about this idea of being a Paul or, or being a Timothy and, and finding somebody that can pour into your life and finding somebody that you could pour into their life, what's your next step going to be? Maybe your next step this week is to take time to define what it is you desire in a spiritual parent. Spend some time and write that down. Maybe your next step is to commit to being a spiritual parent to individuals that are in need. Maybe your next step is to begin to record stories of God's direction and faithfulness. Maybe your next step is to watch and imitate the lives of the spiritually mature. Wherever you're at this morning, I would just challenge you to mark that down, begin to take steps, begin to follow the different pieces of advice that we've looked at this morning. Find somebody that can be a Paul in your life and find somebody that needs a Timothy in theirs. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the incredible example of Paul and of Timothy and their ability to connect with one another and to pour into each other's lives and, and to keep the connection going. God, would you help us to see the areas of our lives where we desperately need somebody from the next generation to pour into our lives and for somebody that we need to pour into theirs. God, help us to recognize that. Help us to see the value of that. God, help us to recognize that the greatest way that we can continue and help people to understand who you are and what you've been in our lives is to pour into the lives of others. Thank you so much for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. During this last song, some ushers are going to move through the room and pass some buckets. Um, if you filled out those green connect cards, I just encourage you to drop them in there, um, as well as if you've brought any offering, you can drop it in there. Thanks so much for being consistent uh, in the way that you've given. Uh, we're doing great through the summer, and so uh, God is just continuing to bless and allowing us to continue to do ministry, and uh, we got some great things coming for the fall, so thank you. Uh, if you'll stand, we have one last song, and then you'll be dismissed.